Stomach problems, raise your hand. More, more, Lord, more, more. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Right now, we just command us to clear up in Jesus' name. Just command any any issue the stomach and ears. Yeah, something significant tonight in Jesus' name. Significant change. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Ha, 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 ha. I'm just seeing gemstones too, man. Like, like diamonds and, and uh, I see that sometimes in the spirit, but I feel like it's like, uh, I don't know, a wedding ring or something. Someone lost your wedding ring or you need a, you need a wedding ring. I don't know. Just release that in glory. <laughs> Maybe your gems will just grow. You want a bigger wedding ring? I don't know. <laughs> 
wants to go. There's nothing wrong with it, you know. As long as we're afraid to ask for anything that seems like it's actually good. My wife sewed her wedding ring into an offering one time. Our wedding ring. But within within a few months, God had given her an even bigger one. It was amazing. It's a cool story. Our, our buddy Brian found a diamond ring. <laughs> Wait, were you there? Dude, share the story for a second. Um, he, my friend, our friend Brian has a song that says, uh, "Jesus gave me a diamond ring." And then one day. Sinners lost this thing because Jesus gave me a diamond ring. One day we're walking down the street and uh, we're in this house, right? Yeah, and so uh, we looked down and there was a diamond ring. And, uh, uh, and he was like, "Sweet, Jesus gave me a diamond ring." And uh, my beautiful now wife, then girlfriend, was very upset that, that diamond ring was not for her. <laughs> but it was, it was, yeah, it was not, it was not, it was not her ring. It was Ryan. Because <laughs> Jesus gave him the diamond ring. And it fit perfectly, yeah. Hallelujah. That's awesome. Yeah, he just written that song. Or did that song come before? Yeah, like a week or two before. Yeah, he, he literally just wrote this song. Yeah, before. About sin is lost at sea because Jesus gave me a diamond ring. And as a man, in front of his house, there's a diamond ring sitting on the ground or something. Like that. Yeah, the song was like, from the sidewalk. Drunk. Lord Jesus, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. You scandalize us, Lord. Scandalize us. Scandalous. Your scandalous gospel. Your scandalous glory, Lord. Whoa. Far beyond an intellectual message, you know. We've seen gemstones show up all over the world in different places or whatever. Um, you know, a lot of times they're happening through friends of ours, but we've seen probably a half a dozen to a dozen happen ourselves. And, and the Lord just often speaks, you know, the, the diamonds and the jewels just scandalize people, you know. It's we're, we're so accustomed to, well, God will give only a, just, you know, a miracle, barely what we need kind of a miracle, you know. If I'm sick, he might heal me or something, but he's not going to, like, do weird stuff like just give me jewelry. That's weird, you know. But, dude, whenever it happens, you know, obviously it offends, it offends like, half the people there, but the other half are just, it unlocks something in their heart, you know, to, like, Get something that's unnecessary and just scandalous. Like, you know, like, and people are like, why does God do that? It's like, well, why do you give your loved ones jewelry? Like, well, maybe you should stop because it's not practical. You know, well, don't give your spouse and loved ones any more jewelry or diamond rings. It's not practical. But you're in this glory. I love the gospel, I love the message and stuff, but do we want to stay? The message is an experiential message. It's a it's a stand. It's not just. Uh, it's not just a really crazy stuff that we believe. But uh, you know, we don't just have an extravagant gospel and extravagant message. But the extravagant things are going to happen in your life. It's, it's normal. It's normal. Like heaven on earth. When we're talking about heaven on earth, well, just feel. You can feel that atmosphere right now, right? Like, and it, it feels like they, you know. That's why I love, I still love meetings. There's something about when you get together with people in the glory like this, with this praying over people, all of a sudden you, for a moment, sometimes you believe far beyond what you believed before, you know. You're like, wow, maybe nothing's impossible. Or maybe, maybe, just maybe, you, you like dare to feel, whoa, and then things start happening, you know, because 
because we're just aware of heaven. Oh, Daddy. So we just, yeah, just lift up your hands and say, I just, I just thank you for awareness of heaven. Right, we just thank you, Lord, for this cloud of glory, Lord, and it, well, you ride upon the clouds, whoa. You lead us to the truth. You are our Jesus. He loves us. You are the Spirit inside us. Oh, you're scandalous. Mm. Yeah, 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 yeah. Cloud of glory. Cloud. You are the cloud of glory. Your ways are in the cloud. Who are these that come riding up like clouds? Oh, who are these that are, that are rising up like a cloud? Behold, the glory of the Lord is upon you. Great glory. Arise and shine. Arise and shine. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Mm. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, if you need a miracle in your body, just, just raise your hand or stand up or something. Just move your body around. Just do, let's just do that. If you just, you know, the old classic, but do something you couldn't do before. <laughs> if you couldn't touch your toes, try to touch your toes, you know? You know what I mean? If you couldn't walk on the ceiling, just try to walk on the ceiling. Couldn't walk up walls before. <laughs> 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 I don't know if try too hard, but <laughs> 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 do something you couldn't do before. It's so fun, you know. Nine times out of ten, you might not be able to walk on the water, but then all of a sudden you do. <laughs> 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 eyes. You know, our, uh, some of you met our friend Tony Sai, right? Tony, Tony had horrible vision. Like I don't know what it was. It was like crazy. He had Coke bottle glasses, you know. And all of a sudden, in one glory meeting, he was restored to perfect 2020 vision. And he didn't need his, his glasses anymore. He couldn't see through his glasses all of a sudden, and he just took them off, and he had perfect vision. He, just in one, in one night, in one day, his Coke bottle glasses, and he's never needed them again. That was like 10 years ago. I love these stories, you know? I love... They're real. They're real. It's reality, dude. Some of you... We had meetings where one lady had gold filling, a gold filling come into a place where she needed dental work, and the filling had... It even had a cross in the filling. It had a little cross show up in there. <laughs> Why not? Why not? Why not? Mm. Uh, I mean, we, we were just in Nepal. Oh my goodness, dude! The miracles that were popping in. We had late, we prayed over this crowd of probably two thousand people that had never heard the gospel before. We just prayed over them for for like five minutes, and and we took testimonies of people. We had two ladies that hadn't walked in like years and years, and they were dancing and leaping around. It was crazy, dude. They had, they weren't able to get up off the ground, and then all of a sudden they were dancing with us. We had we had two ladies in the same thing that had uh, one was like a, I think they were both left ear, 
issues and, and they couldn't hear. I think they're 90% hearing loss. And they, and they literally testified to 100% restoration in those times. And we just, it's the same God. You know, sometimes you hear miracles on the mission field and we think it's so far away. God can't do it. America's in too much unbelief or blah, blah, blah. It's the same God. Amen. Jesus, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus, 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 Jesus. A brand new hip. A brand new hip. We just thank you for Sean's friend being totally restored. Uh, we can't wait to hear the testimony, Jesus, of Taylor being totally fine, Lord. Totally fine. And Lord, anybody that comes to mind right now, we just release. Anybody that comes to mind, family members, friends, we release. And would you share the testimonies with us? You know, as, as people get healed, send, send us an email or something. Just hit me up on Facebook. I love to hear testimonies of the glory. So the wine is alive, that song that we first sang the night. We had that on a CD and when we were living in Europe and we used to play it in the car all the time and so we went to India. And Gabrielle is really allergic to cashew nuts, and we've been trying to really be careful with that, but somehow it got in there. And she, had, she usually has a reaction that's, you know, minimal. She'll throw up or something, and then she'll feel better. But this one wasn't going away, and by the time we got to the hotel, um, she was covered in hives that were raised off of her body from head to toe. There wasn't a spot on her body. She'd, she'd thrown up, she had diarrhea and throw up at the same time, like it was violent, and we were praying for her, and nothing was happening she was white as a sheet, and I've never felt fear that made my knees actually wobble like shake, I had so much fear, I just, there was nothing we could do, like there was no hospital we were in the middle of you know, nowhere in India, and they were trying to give her some medication and then having us sign a waiver because we didn't know what the medication was. And, we're like, and so I'm in the bathroom with her and she's so weak. She's got her head on my, on my, my legs. And she's like, Mama, I, I can't, you know? And I'm like, Jesus, what do I do, Lord? And I was just like so at my wits. And he goes, <laughs> he goes, the wine is alive. It's Jesus Christ. He goes, speak that over her. And I did. I said, the wine is alive. It's Jesus Christ. And instantly, I'm not kidding, her skin went back to normal. She sat up. I was able to help her get dressed. She went and laid down. And that was it. That was it. The wine is alive. And it's Jesus Christ. Drink deep. God, you're so good. God. God is good. I like God. <laughs> I love God. I love God. I love... Oh. 
take another drink. I mean, it, take another drink. Take a drink next to you. Take another drink. Blah 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 blah. <laughs> ah. You know, I, whoa, whoa. Has anyone felt a significant change tonight? Even something miracle, something, something. It's okay. It's a little change. If you think, what's up? Oh, so my blood sugar was really high after um, dinner, and my feet tingled really bad. When that happens, and that came prayed for my feet, and the tingling stopped, and it hasn't come back. Holy Spirit, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I had a thing happen too. Not tonight. Oh, Crystal, how are you doing? Yeah. You want to Oh, yeah. Are you? Oh, wow. Well, just a few months ago, I, I've, I've, I love you know traveling the nations and sharing the gospel and stuff. And uh, but I've always had that problem where when you're landing, you have excruciating ear pain. Yeah. Have you guys ever had that? Yeah. Well, if anyone has, just receive because I. I had it for 35 years, but um, just earlier this year, a buddy, I just had a buddy pray for me. I had people pray for me like a bunch of times for it, but I felt something happen, you know, something significant, and I've, I've had almost zero ear pain, where it used to be like, on a scale of one to ten, it was like a nine, nine and a half. It was like, it felt like knives were going in my ears when I would land, you know, and I'd be looking around, and like, I'd be like, I could not describe this to anybody around me, like, I can't. Yeah, you're, too, you're almost on the verge of tears because you're just in so much pain. And the most I've had is I've had like a one out of ten on a couple flights, but most, almost, not almost all my flights are at a zero. And it's crazy. The same flight, same airline, same different things. You know, because I always go to Nepal, I always go to certain places. No pain, dude. No pain. Inflammation and arthritis in my knees, and have experienced some nerve pain over eight years in my legs and hips and back. Oh! Um, the Lord has spoke to me through several people that I would be getting healed this weekend. So I have expected it. Um, it's happening right now. Um, it started happening earlier when everyone left for, after the second session, and. Um, I was in here with her, and and uh, well, Gia was in here first, and Gia laid hands on me, and I fell over on the bed. And then when I got up, the Lord said, "Walk around," and I noticed a huge difference. Yeah. My knees were yeah. loosened up. I could walk again, walk and I could almost bend all the way over, which I really can't Thank bend you. over. Yeah, I worked, you know, had a bad appetite until now, and so he's working it out. I do need more prayer, though, because I feel, you know, it seems that there's more cramps and it's kind of heavy-ish there, but I'm still working on it, and I'm moving more than I can usually move it. It's not a step, so I know that he's working on it, and, and uh, any kind of pain that tries to come back is a to me. But this is my healing and it's done because I, I asked the Lord, I'm like, I really don't 
don't know how I'm going to move forward in all the things you're calling me to do unless this happens. So I really believe in in the total healing this weekend. Yeah. Yeah. Can you just maybe do a little lap or something and we'll extend our hands again? You you don't have to do whatever you want to do. As Crystal's going around, just yeah. 100%. We just thank you, Lord, for 100%. Restoration, what you already did, what you already accomplished for our sister. Chris Bell's healing, Chris Bell. You are filled, you are whole. We thank you, Lord. We're not working it up right now, we're just celebrating. We're just celebrating, Lord. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Your wine is alive. If you have knee problems too, just move them around. Just join with her, you know. Anybody that's had knee problems, you just release healing, healing, healing. When somebody's getting healed, a lot of times somebody else will get the same thing, you know. There's a glory, there's an anointing to, to touch that. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Ah, we're so grateful, Lord. We're so grateful. We're so grateful, Jesus. Ah. Ah. Wow, wow. Feels good, man. Feels good. Feels good. Ha. Ha. It is like family together, man. It's like family here. It feels so nice. Really appreciate it. Yeah, if you're getting touched or whatever, just stay with it, you know? Just stay. I feel like Holy Spirit is still, you know, doing some cool stuff right now. I do want to receive one last offering too, just give an opportunity to do that because uh, we we do love you know partnership. We do want your money and the glory. Uh, you know, there's, <laughs> we want to keep bringing this to the nations. Also, if you haven't signed up for our email list, if you don't get our emails and stuff, uh, we send out encouraging videos, testimonies, all kinds of you know goodies or whatever. Um, so we have uh, we we only send it out like once a month or even less sometimes. So we're not going to spam you. But if you want to find out about events or get encouraging videos, testimonies, podcasts, all kinds of stuff, um, we'll pass this email list around as well during the offering. And then um, if you've been blessed this weekend, if this is something that you believe in, then please give. If not, or if you just don't have money, no worries. It's no pressure. It, we're, we're relying on Jesus to, to take us to the east for the to, you know, to the ends of the earth, and, and we've seen so many cool miracles, man. It's been uh, it's been super fun, dude. Just watching it, like uh, man, huh? So many testimonies. We just got given basically like a, a new property in Nepal. Our, our teams in Nicaragua keep getting like houses and lands given to them. It's been amazing. Um, last year we saw just tens of thousands of dollars come in supernaturally. <laughs> One time we were at a glory meeting just like this, and I was least because maybe somebody needs this or whatever. We were actually believing to start a coffee shop when we first started a coffee shop, and this couple walks up to us in the meeting and said, we're supposed to sow into your ministry. 
And uh, they're like, what is your ministry? They didn't know us at all. And, uh, oh, man, it's so dumb. And so we ended up getting really whacked, actually, just later for a few hours. And by the end, they're like, what is your ministry? What's going on? We're like, well, we told them all these things we wanted to see. We told them about this coffee shop we were going to start. And they said, we, we want to start, or we just had a coffee shop, and it shut down, and we have a warehouse filled with coffee shop equipment. And uh, we're going to pray about it and see what God wants to do. Well, the next meeting, they came back, and they said, God told us to give it all to you. And we thought, that's cool. You know what? We thought maybe they have a couple you know, grinders and a coffee maker, but they actually had over $100,000 worth of equipment that they just gave us in one day. And that's how we started a coffee shop that we ran for years. And uh, it was just through supernatural glory. You know, through, we were just light, laid out on the floor like you guys are, and just something happened. You know? the, the provision of God is so wild, dude. It's just amazing. Like, if there's anybody in here who feels like you're not getting what you need for ministry or whatever, I just cancel that in Jesus' name. Like, so much more than enough. So much more than enough. You know, we're not just, you know, prosperity preachers. We're, we're prosperity and humility and healing and life and all of heaven preachers, you know. <laughs> but that does include prosperity and that does include money, does include wealth. And so, But you know what? The good thing is I'm not saying give in order to get. <laughs> I'm saying you're already rich. You have been made rich. You are in the money. Dude. You are. And so, you know, when we take a property, we're just saying, you know, you're all rich, so just give like you're rich. You know? <laughs> you're all wealthy, just give, just live like it. You know, as you live like a king, you live like a king. You know, as you give like a king, you live like a king or whatever. But, uh, but you know, it's what obviously we're not doing this for the money, but if you believe in this, um, uh, we have, uh, we have a, a partnership form you can fill out. Just just put something in the monthly part. I'm drunk. Sorry. Totally. Put something in this line and then put something in the other line. You know. Or you can give one-time gifts on here. So I'm going to pass this around and uh, you can give... Actually, okay, we'll do it this way. I'll, I'll pass some cards and pens around first and then we'll do the offering thing. So if you could just pass these around. If you, if you want to give through it, that's great. If not, just pass it on, no worries. Um, we, we destroy those cards when we're done. We've never had any problems with your card information getting stolen or whatever. It'll just, you'll just sit, see a withdrawal from the Firehouse Projects come out if you give that way. Or you can give by check to the Firehouse Projects or cash. That's awesome. But uh, I will share, one thing I do like to share is the stuff that we are doing with the money. You know, um, we have... Glory bases and glory communities that we've been partnering with and sowing into around the world now. We have a base in Nicaragua that we've sold a lot of money into. We drove our glory bus down there across the nations. That we bought a bus, renovated it, took it down to Nicaragua, and we've been seeing crazy stuff. You want to talk about miracles? We saw a resurrection from the dead last year. By no efforts of our own, we were just drunk driving around, you know, and uh, all of a sudden this crew of people came up. Boom. And they had this little girl that was wrapped up, and they, they said, please take us to the hospital. We think our little girl's dead, and it was a Sunday on the island, no ambulances ran on Sunday, so they had been like six hours sitting there, the girl had turned blue, they already said that they, she was dead, they called the family members, extended family all came in, and uh, anyway, we, we said, sure, we'll drive her to the hospital. While we're driving, it's about a 20 kilometer drive to the hospital, about... 18 kilometers in, we've been praying or whatever, all of a sudden the girl starts coughing, 
and the family is just rejoicing in the back. By the time we got to the hospital, the doctor said, why did you bring her here? She's fine. I sent us home directly. Jesus. It was amazing. It was incredible. It was incredible. Yeah. We've seen so many fun things in Nicaragua. And uh, we just, our most recent trip was to Nepal. Um, the Lord spoke to me like 15 years ago about Nepal. I've been going. We just did trips. Uh, we just did a trip. Uh, John Crowder and I, we went preached to thousands of people that had never heard the gospel before. It is crazy. Out of the reach areas, uh, uh, ben, ben and Noah were with us. And who else is with us? Anybody else here? I don't know. Drunk. We had, some of you guys went with us. You've seen what was going on. And then we stayed, and the Lord gave us another base there. He gave us this old hotel, this old resort, and up in the mountains it was a dream come true. Anyway, we just took it, but we're renovating it. So, you know, if you partner with us tonight, we'll go toward the fees to renovating the space, starting a mission base in Nepal. And then, of course, our home base is in Indiana, where we've been doing stuff for like 15 years. And, uh, you know, Katie and I and our kids are in full-time ministry. We've helped uh, start a home church there. We're, we have a we have a ministry base there called the Glory Hub. We're doing concerts every week. Uh, we're we're reaching out to local people and just we're we're going to start doing monthly conferences again like we used to do. And uh, and then we're traveling all the world just doing this kind of stuff. You know, yes. if you feel glory on this, you know, Montana is our a new hot spot. You know? yeah. Yeah, we, we just got back from Redlands, California last weekend where there's a sweet community just like you guys and actually they've been going for some time, you know, in the gospel. We get to share there and preach and stuff. So you know, we went to Toronto last year and did a, a Kainos Quinonia gathering. We're doing these gatherings, bringing communities all over the world. We, we do videos. We do all kinds of, of media ministry. If you check out our website, you'll see all that. And, uh, all that takes time and money to host it and produce the products and all that stuff and, and to, to help support the bases and everything. And so, so anyways, yeah, I'm just going to pass this around. And if you believe in this kind of thing, please give. If you don't have money tonight or you do whatever, no, no worries. Dude, no pressure. But Holy Spirit, we just thank you for abundance, for absolute provision in every way. And this gospel is not a poverty gospel. <laughs> It's not a lack gospel. There is no lack. You're our Father. And uh, though we know what it's like to be content with much or little, we're just content with you, but you always provide more than enough, Lord. And so, so let there be multiplication in every area tonight. In Jesus' name. Thank you guys for those of you that are going to give. We appreciate that. Is there any more water around? Go on. Yeah, yeah. I'm not going to share too long. We're going to take communion a little bit. But uh, sure, for some minute. She's going to get some. Perfect, perfect. I'm not, I'm not high drama. I don't do that. I'll drink out of someone else's water bottle. Oh, yeah, thank you. Yeah, the email list. If you just want to receive info, we won't spam you. Sign up on our email list. He's passing. It's that um, fluorescent uh, yellow green thingy over there. Yeah, thank you, thank you. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I'll just share a short word tonight, and then we'll we'll take communion and just stay whacked, man. Just have, have another drink. Hey, okay? even as the offering's going around, you don't have to sober up and get stressed about uh, the offering. Yeah. Oh, thank you, Father. Ah. 
I just feel like I was just praying, you know, today and just, you know, I like to, you know, before I get up here, something from Jesus about what's going on. And I just feel like, you know, the Holy Spirit just still wants to, um, you know, before we get ahead, we can talk about all kinds of glory community practicals and glory community stuff and church life, but thank you so much. I feel like Jesus just wants to to just keep ministering to our hearts individually, you know, and, and freeing us, freeing us. Dude, I feel like he just wants to speak some identity messages tonight, you know. He just wants to speak identity over us. And uh, I feel like there's some specific words about, you know, I, like I was joking last night about white guilt, you know. There's still so much Christian guilt in the church. There's still so... But I believe as we, as we really know who we are, you know, as we rest secure, and really that's, that's the fountainhead of all community when we're resting secure in who we are in Him. Uh, well, I was talking with Annette and, and Melinda before the meetings the other day. We were just talking about, you know, so many struggles in the church, so many struggles stem from just insecurities. Insecurities. And we're, we have been just notorious for, for just all these petty little squabbles and petty little things. And just this nagging feeling that we're never enough, you know? This nagging feeling of lack, this nagging, like, you know, the, the favorite bumper sticker phrase in the church is, Christians aren't perfect, just forgiving. You know? Christians aren't perfect, just forgiving, you know? Or, or, you know, you see that on the bumper sticker after they cut you off, you know? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, but but my God, like that kind of a that kind of a mentality. Although, like we said, forgiveness is so powerful. You know, I thank God for forgiveness. But dude, forgiveness is just one piece of the feast that's been laid out before us. You know, yeah. the plethora of goodies we've been given in the gospel, and, and to think of ourselves uh, as a worm and no longer a man. You know, to think of ourselves as a you know, ah, uh, to see the cross, we're talking about atonement theories and stuff today, to see the cross aright is to see the old, insecure, lacking, problematic self as dead. Yeah. Once and for all, dude, the communities are going to arise when we have come to, you know, healthy communities and natural overflow when you're just healthy yourself. Yeah. When you're feeling life, when you're feeling good about yourself, you feel good about others. And you, when you feel blessed yourself, you feel you can bless others. When you feel confident that you are enough, you know, so many of our, of our problems and relationships and stuff is just when we're projecting our own stuff on someone else, you know. We see ourselves a certain way, so we see other people a certain way. If we really, man, if you have problems with the church, it's probably because you believe you have problems with yourself. You know, and uh, 
Jesus. This is why, you know, so much of the gospel message, when we say, when we say the kingdom of heaven is at hand, it isn't just this tangible glory in the atmosphere. That's amazing. I love it. You can feel it tonight and stuff's going on. But it's also everything that you thought was reserved for heaven someday is here. And one of those elements is how do you think you are going to be forever yourself? How do you how about your own personal righteousness and holiness? How about your identity? Yeah. Do, do you see yourself in heaven someday? Wow, I'll be righteous that time, you know? Oh, I'm so holy. Or I'll be holy. Yeah, yeah. Someday after I die, I'll be holy. Well, then death is your savior. Yeah. Yeah, that's you know, the old classic. But it's a, it's a powerful reality. Yeah, it's a powerful. <laughs> to see Jesus as my Savior rather than death. Jesus already died. You died with him. So not you. So you've already died and went to heaven. And letting this permeate, not just, there's so many aspects that that permeates. But how about, let's just look at the identity aspects tonight, you know, and, and, and just... That whole reality that Christians are not perfect, you know, but just forgiven or whatever. No, no, no. It says by one sacrifice, he perfected for all time those who are sanctified. Hebrews 10. He perfected for all time. Another, you know, stumbling block is this concept that God sees me as holy, but I'm not really. The old, you know, have you ever heard the message, God's got Jesus-colored glasses on. Thank you. Thank God. Thank God he has Jesus-colored glasses on. Because if he wasn't looking through a lens that distorted his view of reality, and he saw things the way they really were, he'd see that I'm a dirty, rotten sinner. Dirty, rotten sinner. Dirty, rotten sinner. I'm a dirty scoundrel. So, so he's got Jesus-colored glasses on. So all of a sudden, God's the one that has can't see real reality, but we see real reality. So we've got the true picture, and God's got this weird, through the blood of Jesus, happy, rose-colored lens of, like, happy-go-lucky reality. Yeah, he's got a special glass, he's practically a Mormon, you know? <laughs> but no one else knows where these special glasses are, you know? <laughs> But no, like, what if, what if what Jesus came to do was to change our lens, to take our dirty glasses off, to, to take our clouded thing off, so that we could see the reality of what God's always known about us? Is that the original declaration from the garden, from the beginning, says, "You're good. You're good. You are freaking good." But what about that passage that, you know, in the Bible it says the heart is deceitfully wicked above all things, brother. That's a wonderful Old Testament passage that we were talking about. Yes. But even in the Old Testament, they prophesied that I will give them a new heart and I will put a new spirit within them. Amen. And that's the very basis of the new covenant. Wow. He says, I write my laws on their hearts and on their minds. Wow. I will remember their sins no more. God can't remember it. You have permission not to remember it. Yes. I remember nothing. I know nothing but Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I resolved to know nothing when I was with you. I love Winnie Banoff says, I've become an expert in the knowledge of nothing but Jesus Christ. I know no other truth about you. 
That's why I love the mirror Bible, dude. I love the mirror, wonderful translation, but it's based on this truth that Jesus showed up not as an example of what we could be or to show us how to be better, but he showed up as a mirror of us, not an example for us, a mirror of us. In James 1, it says, anyone who looks into the word and walks away and forgets what he looks like, you know, anyone who becomes a, a, a hearer of the word but not a doer, it's because you looked at the word, but as soon as you walked away, you forgot. Because it's a mirror. It's like, we, and it even says in Corinthians, it says, Behold, we, we see as in a glass darkly, or another translation, we're beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. Wow. Yeah. Jesus comes and steps into time as a uh, the firstborn among many brethren. Yes. He's not different than you. He's exactly like you. You're the same species. And the elder brother isn't, you know, a million times more holy than all the other children. The point of being a child of God is that you are of God. Anyone who is born of God cannot sin. Why? Because you're not built that way. You're not even, it says, you go on in 1 John chapter 3, it says you're, he can't, he's not even able to. It's, it's no longer a part of you. So, but, but then why do we see so many struggles in the world? Why do you see so much sin in the church? Simply because we don't know who we are. We don't know this about ourselves. We believed a lie. We believed a lie. The fall wasn't a fall away from God. It was a fall in our consciousness and believing lesser things about reality. You can't fall from grace. Jesus is an endless grace, infinite grace. But in your minds, you believe, it says in Colossians 1, we were enemies of God. Where? In our minds. Not in reality. God was always on your side. God has always been for us. No one can ever be against us. But we believed a lie. We became convinced of something less. And Romans 1 says, we exchanged the glory of God for lesser things, things that look like animals and images. And we exchanged this truth of God for a lie. Repentance is just restoring back to that high view. And when we come to identity, it's that high view of ourselves. We are so scandalized by giving ourselves a high view. It's like the one thing you're not allowed to do in the church is actually think that you're awesome. Well, you might be able to say it kind of tongue-in-cheek, but if you actually believe it, they will come against you. True. And if you were doing that just in and of yourself, yes, there would be an issue. If you're like, I'm awesome without God, you know, then that's a problem. But you're never without God now. You never were without God. You are mystically united with God. You're one with Him. That's why, you know, I haven't really come to it at this point, but I do want to plug some you know, products like Francois' stuff and Crowder's book, Mystical Union. Get some of these resources. There are resources out there that are speaking things about you that will scandalize you that at first you will not like, you know. Because <laughs> it feels like pride for us to say that I'm perfect, I'm holy, I'm righteous, I'm whole, I'm awesome, I'm, I'm able, I'm, I'm powerful, I have good motives, I have a good heart. You have a good heart. 
You know, I, I have a really sweet mom. Sean, Sean knows my mom. Some of you know my mom. She's so sweet. And growing up, I just thought she was kind of naive because she would always say, about everyone, she would always say, but they have a good heart. <laughs> she would always say, like, they have a good heart. And there was a point when I was in the height of my religious days and I'd be like, mom, 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 you have no idea. <laughs> these people, these people are deceitfully wicked now. <laughs> they are, they're nasty. You'd be surprised, mom, what people can do, as if my mom had never lived through life before. You know? Mom, you'd be surprised about people. <laughs> you'd be shocked at how dark they are. They're all so dark. But you know, I, I, I've loved the fruit that my mom's seen in her relationships and stuff just by believing that people are always good. And it actually does, it has borne some fruit, you know? Like, her kids and her family all love her because she's always believed that they have a good heart. And that's powerful. When someone believes that you have a good heart, like, you may be going through all kinds of struggles, but if, you, if they just tell you enough, if they just... If they've said that to you over and over and, and, and you're like convinced because it's like a broken record and you have a good heart, it's really hard to have a lot of other struggles with them, you know? But I'm convinced now that, that the gospel reveals that humanity has a good heart. That if you believe in redemption and restoration, which means things are brought back to the, their original tent, yeah. redeemed, restored, then what's the original declaration over all of creation? It is good. It is very good. It is good. You are very good. You may have had struggles, sure. You may have done some nasty things, but that wasn't who you were. You forgot who you were. Yes. And the declarations over everybody, it's not just those that believe it. Those that believe it get to experience the joy of it. But you, you believe the truth. It doesn't become the truth. It was true before you believed it. Right? Our believing in Jesus' redemption doesn't make it true for us. It was already true. You don't become good the moment that you're born again. You're born again. You have an experience because you start to experience the reality that you already were good. You already were whole. You already... you. The darkness into light happened 2,000 years ago, or if you look at some passages of Scripture from the foundations of the world. You were never darkness. You were never a son of the devil. Oh yeah, there's a few times in the Scripture where it says they're children of the devil. They're blah, blah. But there's other times where it says, you know, all creatures are God. We're all God's children. We're all God's family. And so, you know, you know, well, what do we, which one do we look at? Well, sometimes, you know, different speakers in the Bible were speaking to a temporal situation that, that seemed like they were manifesting. But the devil isn't creative. The devil doesn't have any ability to father children. Amen? The devil's impotent. <laughs> impotent. So if you're like, well, some people are children of God, some people are children of the devil. Impossible! <laughs> the devil can never create a single thing. He just twists and distorts. So yeah, maybe some people thought they were children of the devil. They were identifying as children of the devil. But that was never true. And so I love, you know, what Francois goes over. One of the things he always hits on is that the lost coin didn't lose its value when it was lost. It didn't cease to become, you know, if you lose, you know, a dollar coin somewhere, you lose your quarter. 
Just because it's lost doesn't mean it's still a perfect, awesome, valuable quarter. The parable of the lost sheep, the parable of the lost son, he was still a son. The father will let you run. The father will let you go hide in the, the muck and in the crap, you know. But you are still a son and you still have all of the abilities, all of the virtue, all of the goodness that you ever had from the foundation of the world. God knows what's true about you and that really matters. It really matters. Knowing that we are good, it changes everything. It changes so much. How does it change church life? Because if you dare to believe the scandalous truth that you're good, you can actually begin to believe that other people are good too. And the relational messes that that fixes, if I don't doubt your heart, if I really don't doubt your heart anymore, like all of a sudden, like I'm not bringing all that skepticism and I don't have to try to control you. I don't have to try to manipulate you because I believe in you. I actually believe in you. When I... When I start to see myself as good, you are not broken. You, I know some, some people, you know, there's so many teachings that talk, you need 100 years of inner healing before you can start to walk in wholeness. <laughs> yeah, right? How, how, it feels endless. No, if you get a revelation of your identity. You can walk in it today. You can walk in it now. You can walk in all the fullness of your identity and your goodness. And this is such a, an amazing key for church life. It's such an amazing key for everything, for your marriage, you know. The biggest key to my marriage is that my wife and I always believe in the goodness of one another. Because we heard the gospel. And we're so convinced of the gospel that now, like, if there's a struggle, if something happens in our marriage where it's like, I don't know why she did that. I don't understand why she did that. Why was she spending money that way? Why did she treat the kids that way? Why did she? I don't begin to get skeptical about her and doubt her character. Begin to need to try to control her and undermine her. I I think back and I say there must be a good reason. There must be a good reason for why she's doing that. You know. And even if I forget that sometimes, Holy Spirit brings me back to the gospel, Holy Spirit brings us back to this place where we're like, oh, I forgot from it. I was treating you like you're a bad person. And all of a sudden, I believe you're good again. And you know, I don't know why you did that, but I don't have to understand why because I trust you. Trust is birthed out of a place of believing in the other person is actually good. They're actually a good person, then I can trust them. You can't just say, I'm going to try to trust my spouse if you don't believe that they're good. If you don't believe that they have a good heart, have a holy heart. That's why I love talking about holiness because this is the same thing. It's like, I believe they're holy. I believe they have a good heart. I believe they have good intentions, a good motive, good desires for me. Maybe they forget it from time to time, but I'm not going to identify them by those temporary forgetful moments. I'm believing the gospel that overall, even if they forget for some years of time, I'm still able to drink from who they truly are, even if they're not. As we get rooted in this reality, it really does, it's a secret to marriage, family, and just our own enjoyment of ourselves. Amen. I don't doubt myself. You know, the biggest thing here for, for well-meaning believers is that they're like, 
I don't know if what I'm doing is good or not. Because maybe this is just my desire, not God's desire. This is where the gospel bringing you into a revelation that you're united with Christ really matters and makes a difference. Like our union. Because I used to wake up every day and think I had to seek God so hard. Or at least I always had to make sure I was listening correctly. Because you never know. I might be missing God. Because I might just be doing what I want to do. And that's the worst. you know. But if you believe you have a good heart, all of a sudden you're like, you realize that God didn't create you to control you. And most of the time when you're like, what, I, what do I want to do with my life? What, what's your will, God? What do you want me to do? He turns it around and says, what do you want to do? Because I built you well. I put desires in you. You're holy. You're good. And, and you're just able to flow. Now there's not all this second guessing of yourself. How many of you second guess yourself all the time? It's normal. We're taught to second guess ourselves in the church like crazy. We're taught to doubt our motives, doubt what we want, second guess ourselves, and, and this guilt comes over us. Anytime we make a decision, we kind of start to feel a little guilty about it. Maybe I didn't hear God 100%. Well, it feels like I missed God before. I've made mistakes before, so, wow, you know, I bought this new house, I feel terrible about it. You know? yeah. I went on a mission trip and served the poor for seven months, but maybe it wasn't God. Maybe it was just me. I kind of love, I love traveling missions. The Lord knows I love orphans too much. And he's like, the Lord's like, those seven months, I mean, dude, you hear these, you hear these messages sometimes. You hear people say, you did a good thing, but you didn't do God's thing. And, and yes, absolutely, I want to be in God's will. But what if it wasn't such a big, complicated, like, mystery wheel? What if, you know, if, if there's something he really wants to get your attention about, God's a pretty good speaker, pretty good leader. If it's hard to hear God's will all the time, and it's, it's, you've always got to be wondering if you're in God's will, he's not a very good leader. Because a good leader makes, it says he's the good shepherd. If you're confused, he leaves the 99 to help you figure it out anyways. He's such a good leader. He's a way better good leader than you could ever be a bad follower. So even if you're a horrible follower, he's such a good leader. He'll get you on the right track. It's time to remove this second-guessing guilt crap out of the mentality of the church. That we could just be filled with life, exploding, just doing what we love without wondering and doubting and always kind of being half-hearted because we're hesitant. That's why you see the greatest creativity never comes out of the church. Why does the devil have all the good music? Because the believers are always doubting their creativity all the time. They're they're afraid to give eight hours a day to practicing guitar because they're not sure if it was God or they kind of feel bad about it. Well, the other guy's like, I've just been playing guitar since I was a kid, not thinking about it. That's why I'm way better than all the Christians. You know? <laughs> all my art is, is better, and all my all the music and all that. Because in so many ways, we've just been held back and been squelched, and our life is in squelched, our marriage life. And this seems like, at first, it doesn't seem like a big deal to believe that everybody's good, or maybe it just seems like a weird heresy. But dude, when you really meditate about it, like, Knowing your identity in other people instead of as deceitfully wicked and dark and something that you need to kind of stifle all the time so you can do God's will. 
like, you know, kill me, God, so you can live. He already killed you long ago, so anything that's already arising within you is him. It's him. You know, when, when John the Baptist said the one verse that's quoted all the time in the church, I must decrease so he must increase, that had nothing to do with you not doing the things that you love to do so God can do what he wants to do. That was because Jesus was appearing on the scene and about to start his earthly ministry. had nothing to do with the context of our, our following God's will. It's like the old I die daily quote, you know what I mean? I die daily. How many times have you heard that? Got to crucify the flesh. Brother Paul said he dies daily. Have you read the context of that passage? He said, Paul's saying, I get persecuted everywhere. I'm persecuted in, in the city. I'm persecuted in the country. When I, when I go on the boats, uh, you know, my boat's shipwrecked and I spend 40 days in the open sea. It's like I die daily. He said he gets persecuted. He says, I face persecution every day. He's not saying he kills himself every day. It's the spirit of suicide. We have literally adopted the spirit of suicide in the church as our normal, like, daily life. We wonder why everybody's, like, emotions are locked up. You know, believers are so afraid of their emotions. They're so, we're we're so locked up, we're afraid to feel joy because we kind of feel bad about feeling good. We've been taught to feel bad if you feel good and feel good if you feel bad. <laughs> uh, it's sick, dude. It's sick. Dude. It's, sick. It's, it's, it's repression of emotions is normal. We're, we're so repressed. That's why it's like hard for us to even engage in the sexual conversation that's going on in culture around the world. Because most believers are so sexually repressed in weird ways. They've just been taught to never be allowed to like even feel, think, anything. I mean, and I'm not saying I'm not promoting a weird sexual revolution. What I'm saying is like <laughs> talking about the nakedness blur. No, but I, but I'm just saying like when you believe that you're good and you just trust your your desires and stuff, you we don't have all these weird like Christian dating problems and. Amen. I mean, I I meet I mean, I've met believers that said we didn't even have sex for the first six months of our marriage. <laughs> and I'm like, dude, I really met people. We gave it as holy unto the Lord. That's cool. Whatever you want to do. But I've actually met other people that they're like, we struggled having sex the first year of our marriage because we just felt so much shame. We were just taught to just, you know, we never, no one talked about it. It was always weird to talk about. We were kind of afraid. Like, there's just so much weird. And that, that's, that might not be normal for you, but I'll tell you one thing that probably all of us can relate to is just how hard it is for us to allow ourselves to feel anything yeah. in the church. Emotions are the devil. Because if you're taught that you're not good, the first thing we're taught to doubt is emotions. And emotions are emotions are holy and normal. Emotions are they're just as holy as your spirit, they're just as holy as your body. You are holy. Your emotions are holy. If you're feeling excited about something, it's okay. Go with it. Doesn't mean it let it all control you. You have a whole being. You can use your mind, will, emotion, spirit, body, you know, body. Let it all weigh in, but don't just, you know, some people just most Christians are only allowed to use your mind if you've figured it out and logically concluded it all through proper study. 
And that's why there's so many intellectual believers, they can tell you all about Jesus' death on the cross and the reason why it worked and blah, 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 but they can't tell their wife they love them. They can't tell, they can't hug their kids. They're like, Jesus died for you, son, because he has a greater love than, no man has a greater love than this. He'll lay down his life. And you know what uh, What Constantine said in the year 385, it's like, it sounds like, oh, can I have a hug? Son, I'm trying to teach you something. I'm trying to teach you. I'm trying to talk. It's like there's all of this, this weird stuff. And it all stems from just not being able to receive that word over your life that you are good. Yeah, you are good. That's just one of our favorite things to say everywhere we go. You know, just say to people, "You're good. You're, you are good." <laughs> and one drunken buddy just randomly meets people, and they'll come up to him and be like, "Hey, how's it going?" Go, "You're good." <laughs> He just says you're good to everybody. And I've just grown to appreciate it more and more, you know. To to rest in the the scandalous identity of, yeah. Looking at Jesus as a mirror, not as uh, something we're trying to attain to someday maybe we'll be like Jesus. First John 4 says, as he is, so are we in this world. What? You think Jesus doubts his emotions all the time? No. You think Jesus is wondering if he knows the will of God? <laughs> you know, or always second guessing himself. Sure, there might be a few times you can see in the Bible where he's like, Father, is this your will? You know, if this is your will, like when he's about to go through the hardest thing in his life and he wanted some affirmation again. But Jesus is not walking around feeling like a piece of crap, thinking that his heart is deceitfully wicked. Ah. Identity shift. Identity shift. Yeah. Let the identity crisis be over. Thank you, Father. Let, let us just rest secure. Insecurities. How many of you have trigger words, you know? Triggers. All the triggers get erased when you're secure. When you rest secure, someone can call you the worst names in the world, can insult all of the, the, your life's work and your most powerful, you know, important things to you. And you can just look at it and say, you're a good little girl and boy. I love you. I love you. They can push all your buttons. When you're resting secure, someone can push. You don't have buttons anymore. Your bu- buttons only exist because of insecurities. When you have a hot button, that's just an area we haven't realized who you are yet. Ain't you know, it's that whole thing, what's true joy, you know? When everything you've built in your whole life is burned down and you look at the person that burned it down and you're like, I love you. <laughs> you're freaking amazing. Why do I feel like you're amazing? Because I feel like I'm amazing. And I know that my amazingness doesn't stem from me because it's the gift that's been given to everybody. So I'm like, you are so good. You are so good. Hatred ceases. Anger gets dissolved. And and all those negative things. It's security, dude. It's a security. Not just, I'm secure in my salvation, brother, because I have once saved, always saved theology. And I'm eternally secure. But no, feeling like, feeling good about yourself in God. Feeling good about yourself. 
I no longer live. I no longer live. Let me just read a couple of my favorite secure passages here, you know. And, we'll just, and then we'll go into some communion. Uh, I'm not familiar with this one too much. If you want some great theme passages of what we've been talking about this weekend, I'll just give you a couple to chew on, you know. If you don't remember anything, if you don't remember anything I said this weekend, get a couple of these scriptures, though. How about those scriptures, though? How about that? Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. We're not trying to die. There's no part of you. There's no part of you that needs to die. We're not. This isn't, you know, this isn't death to self. Well, what about you take up your cross and follow me? This already happened. This already happened. You've already been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. So if you think negatively about yourself, you're thinking negatively about Christ. Oh, the life I now live in the body, I live by the faith, relying on completely trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. I do not ignore or nullify the grace of God, for if righteousness came through the law, then Christ died needlessly. But oh, you foolish and thoughtless Galatians, who has bewitched you? <laughs> Right before your eyes, Jesus was publicly portrayed as crucified. Mm. This is all I want to ask of you. Did you receive the Holy Ghost as the result of obeying the law, or was it a result of hearing the message of salvation and believing? Ah, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. In 1 John chapter 4. I mean, stare at some of these. We're so convinced of what we grew up with. A lot of people say, I love to go to conferences and things, but I don't learn theology. I don't get any theology out of it. I just get whacked. or I just go for the people or whatever. Dude, if you... If you... If your mind isn't being transformed by some of the stuff, there's so much negative theology that you've already been taught your whole life. If you don't, if you don't go and learn, if your if your gospel isn't getting more and more scandalous and more and more good, you know, if you're not getting scandalized by this, then you're, you're probably just continuing to believe that old, depressed thing, and it'll affect your life, man. Amen. I'm, I'm learning theology. Yeah, sure, I'm getting whacked. I'm enjoying the people. I'm hanging out. But I'm learning, dude, because you know, the truth really does set me free. The truth really does. Oh, oh Lord. Oh, oh, I'm not really familiar with this passage either. You guys are drunk. John 4, where did it go? I'm really having trouble reading. <laughs> Where's the old, which verse is the as he is verse? Someone help me out. <laughs> First John 4 somewhere. Who has it? That's what I thought. Oh, there it is. There it is. Okay, this is the Amplified, so 
Uh, I'll read the input. In this union and fellowship with Him, love is completed and perfected with us. Wow. Just that alone. Just that right there. Just eat that. Love with us by virtue of our union. That we may have confidence in the day of judgment with assurance and boldness, not second-guessing ourselves, not doubting ourselves. Because as He is, so are we in this world. Whenever you read that one, it's like the big butts come out. As he is, so are we in this world. That's the reason why he says because that's the source of why he said in this union and fellowship with him, love is completed and perfected with us. You have perfect love, guys. You have it. It's a part of you. It's natural to you. It's your first nature. You don't have a sinful nature. I, I guess I haven't said that this weekend, but it's a big one. You don't have a sinful nature. Oh, the flesh is dead. The flesh is dead. Where does it say that in the Bible? Romans 8 and 9. You are not in the flesh. You are not in the flesh. If you're in Christ, and who's in Christ? The whole world. The whole world is included in Christ. If you, even if you don't believe that, hopefully you at least believe you're in Christ. It says, if you're in Christ, you have the Spirit of Christ, you are not in the flesh. Well, my flesh and my spirit are always warring against each other. Now, that was Romans 7. But it says, who will rescue me from this? Jesus rescues you from that. Your identity now is not sinner saint. It's saint. It's not partially holy. You are actually holy. You're actually holy. You're not holy in God's eyes. Of course, yes, in God's eyes you're holy because God sees reality that you're all actually holy. You are actually holy. You are actually... So, and holy just sounds like a religious word to a lot of people. You're good. Yeah. Or you're righteous. You're complete. You're fully made capable of whatever it is that you think you couldn't do. What can Jesus not do? Well, as He is, so are you in this world. I know there's a lot of buts, dude. If you want to focus on the buts, you can find verses that seem to nullify this. But there comes a point in your life where you're like, well, this verse says that God, you know, that Jesus saved everyone. This passage makes it sound like He didn't save everyone. There comes a point in your life where you just... You, instead of trying to like believe everything's a paradox, you know what I mean? Well, everything's a paradox. If you believe everything's a paradox, well, you know, part of the Bible says we're sinners, and the other part says we're saints, so I just hold it in paradox. That means you're going to be a double-minded man that will be unstable in all your ways. You'll be confused. You'll be, you'll be half-hearted. You'll be halfway empowered. Your communities will, will be struggling. Your marriage will be struggling. Because a double-minded man is unstable in everything. But when you come, Jesus said, if, you're, if your eye is single, your whole body is filled with light. Amen. You come to a single conclusion. You can't keep reading the Bible and just trying to believe everything. Well, God is good and also bad. We need the yin and the yang, brother. No, that's a different religion. <laughs> Well, if we need balance, you know, 
We gotta balance the truth with some lies. Well, let's keep it in balance. You know, it's all about love, but you also need hatred. The balance message. There's so many weird things. I, when you start getting whacked up in the joy, people say the joy is great, but let's balance it out. Balance it out with what? Paul said, rejoice always in everything, in all circumstances, again and again and again. Paul's sitting in prison. You know, everyone's left Paul. He's sitting alone. He says, only Timothy's with me. But I have one thing to tell you. Rejoice always! Whoa! Always, always! Yeah, 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 yeah! Well, I went to that conference and they were like, you know, they said it's a continual festival, but I went to another conference and it said it's all about fasting and solemn assemblies. And I just, I believe the full counsel of God. No, that's called being double-minded. Yeah. It will make you unstable if one day you're like, well, I think I'm supposed to fast. Maybe it's a feast. Maybe it's a fast. I love the Old Covenant. I love the New Covenant. You know, we still need the law, brother. We need grace in the law. I'm a saint, but I'm a sinner. I'm good, but I'm bad. No, the, the declaration of the gospel is that everything you thought was reserved for heaven one day, you think you're going to be evil in heaven? As he is, so are you in this world. As he is, so are we. We are as you are. We behold Jesus as in a mirror. A mirror doesn't tell you what you could be someday. A mirror reveals what you already are exactly like Jesus in the image and likeness of God. Song of Solomon, there is no flaw in you. Turn your eyes for me because you're so freaking holy, you overwhelm God. Like one of our friends said, if you were packing anymore, you'd be a threat to the Trinity. Oh, man. So good. You know why they killed Jesus? You know why they killed Jesus? The last conversation that Jesus had that where they finally had enough was where he said, uh, where, where, where they said, um, well, he, first he raised Lazarus from the dead. <laughs> he raised Lazarus from the dead and they're like, they're like, all right, we got to kill this dude now. He's getting too powerful. And he said, which one of the works is it that, re- you know, which one of the miracles are you stoning me for? He said, or, why do you want to kill me? He said, the reason we want to kill you is because you, being a mere man, make yourself out to be God. He said, he had a too high a view of his identity. This is the exact thing they're going to tell you. This might be what part of your religious mindset is still trying to say. This guy's thinking too highly of himself. That's why they killed Jesus. He said, he turns around and he said, don't your own scriptures say that you are God's? Whoa, that sounds like Mormonism. <laughs> We're all gods with our own planets. No, look in the Bible. Read the Bible. Psalm 82, it says, You are all sons of God, children of the Most High. I said, You are gods. But you'll die like mere men. This is what it said in the Old Testament. You'll die like mere men because you didn't realize who you were. This is where the immortality message can come in too. When we begin to realize who we are, 
he said, he said, you all, doesn't your own scriptures say that you are God's? Then why are you mad at me for saying I'm the son of God? Well, how many of you have heard the context? If you were in the, alive in Israel in those days and you said you're a child of God, you were equating yourself as equal with God. Has anyone ever studied that out? Why? Because to be a child of God means you're of the order of the divine. My son is the same species as me. Horses give birth to horses. Dogs give birth to dogs. And gods give birth to sinner saints. Sinner saints, brother. Partially redeemed, you know, eventually restored, blah, blah, blah. No, gods give birth to gods. Yeah. Spirit saved soul. Yeah, he literally, he, he literally said, said you, your own scriptures say you are God. We, we look at that and we just relegate it instead of believing it. We find, I, I talk to most people, they'll give you a long, complicated theological answer about why that didn't mean what it meant. Yeah. Why it says, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but it's not just one place in the Bible, it's you know, you read Psalm 82 and you're like, that is weird. It did, you know, God said you are gods to people. Well, maybe that's just one of those weird Old Testament passages. Then you look at where Jesus Christ himself quotes it. And he looks at the Pharisees of his day and he says, you want, you want to know the word in the Greek is theos. You are theos. You ever heard of theology? It's the study of God. Theos. In the Greek, there's no capitalization or punctuation either. You don't know if that was capitalized or not. Well, of course, it was very lowercase g if it was. Very lowercase. Very <laughs> you don't know anything about that. Theos is theos. You are theos? I'm talking when we when we've thought like things about ourselves, we have we have heard hundreds of times, you know, nobody's perfect, brother. Dude, Jesus is beyond perfect. Jesus blows perfection out of the water. That's what the word holy means. The word holy is a word that's like so good that you could not put description to it. This is why the, you know, the, the living preachers are just like, the only word I can cry is the most extreme word in the language of the inner. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord. God Almighty was and is and is to come. Holy, holy. I love one, one of my favorite descriptions of holiness. I know everyone will give you a definition. I like transcendent beauty. Oh, yeah. Transcendent beauty. Oh, my God. Absolute perfection. Some people are like, well, it just means to be different. Different in what way, you know? Yeah. Hitler was different. I'm not talking about just being a little different, a little, you know, set apart. Well, what's set apart? You know, the Golden State Warriors are set apart from the rest of the NBA, but I'm not worshiping them and saying holy. I'm talking about transcendent beauty, something so much, so far greater. To say that you are holy, dude, if you, you we don't even believe that. Not one person here believes it. <laughs> That's okay. God believes it. God believes it. And we're awakening to it. But if you even knew what holiness was, dude, because everything flows out of identity. If you know what holiness was, every person you touched would be healed 100% every time. You know what I mean? You'd be able to levitate at will and 
translate across the globe and forgive every person that ever wronged you without hesitation. <laughs> holy. You are not just a, a sinner saint. I mean, saint means a holy one. No, holiness, to, anything that holiness touches, it transforms. That's why when God became a man, it, the whole deal was over, even before he died on the cross. The, in the incarnation, when, the, when divinity stepped into created order, all the created order was instantly sanctified and purified. Like one of the church fathers said, anything that God assumes, he heals. Whatever God touches turns to light, turns to gold, turns to holiness. Wherever God dwells, it's, 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 it's pure light. It's pure fire. It's pure fire. If God's ever touched you once, there's so much virtue that fills your body. You know what I mean? It's just, we have these so many low views of God. And therefore low views of ourselves. When he said you were holy, when he said you were, you don't have to say you are God's. I know it's too scandalous for most of you to say it, even though it's all over the Bible. But just say, I'm a son of God. That's at least accepted. That's fine. Because to be a son or daughter of God means you are of the same species, of the same yeah, order. It's true. Oh, son of God. That means I'm proceeding from. The word of doesn't just mean, you know, it can, it can mean a lot of things, but it, it means proceeding from, of that thing, you know. The joy of the Lord is actually the joy that's proceeding from the Lord. That's right. You know, the love of God is this virtue that's coming from God. To be a son of God, to be one that was birthed from the loins of the eternal one. Just feel it. Feel your identity for a second. Feel the weight of the glory of you. Well, this sounds like a man-centered gospel, you know? (laughs) We're so afraid of a man-centered gospel. When all of the creative, you know, all of history was leading up to the day when God would become a man. Jesus Christ is a man, a man-centered gospel. And that's where this identity flows. In the center of the throne, in the center of it all, is a man. A human not just a human. He's a divine human. He's a God human. But he's a human. Well, brother, I'm only human. You're only human? That means you're the pinnacle of all creation, every all of history. You're God's masterpiece. Well, brother, you know, we're only human. You're only the masterpiece of all creation? That's amazing. That's amazing. That's amazing. It is. That's amazing. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not lack. I lack not. Dad, Dad's kids, he's not going to let his kids get poor. Would you ever let your kids get poor? Maybe for a moment to learn a lesson, but you're not going to let them live there very long. Would you ever let your kids die sick of cancer? You're not going to let that happen. That's not God. It's just fallen humanity's forgotten who they are, and so some temporal things happen. God's not involved there. Everything God touches, when we know our identity, when we know reality, cancer ceases, poverty ceases, depression ceases, anxiety will cease. Not in the future, I'm talking about that moment when you realize who you are. All creation is longing and groaning for the sons and daughters of God to wake up 
and realize who they are. When we realize who we are, all of creation is going to react and respond. You know, when Jesus came forth out of the tomb and his new creation, man, 500 people just happened to accidentally or whatever raised from the dead along with him. You ever hear preaching about that? The guys that just got raised, it's in the Bible, were wandering around Jerusalem. When you realize who you are and come forth out of the old into the new, the created order just shakes around you. People might accidentally just get raised from the dead around you. People might just start getting healed. You know, people talk about, well, why healings happen in the meeting and hospitals aren't getting emptied out. When the sons of God realize who they are, hospitals will empty out. We've gone to hospitals and seen several people healed at a time. I believe the day's coming where we're going to just walk through hospitals. Peter's shadow is healing people. Your shadow is healing people. Your dirty snot rag can heal people. You know, it's in the Bible. They were laying their hands on hankies and passing them around to people. <laughs> Fuego! <laughs> uh, the ground that you walk on will become so anointed with glory. Shing, ding, dude. Why not just realize it right now, dude? You just... You, you touch something, and by God, it's charged like a freaking superhero gambit card from X-Men, you know? birds and cows give birth to cows and sheep give birth to sheep and, but God's we're not sure what God's give birth to we can't figure it out but there's a pattern there there's a pattern there but it might break you know cows give birth to cows sheep give birth to sheep horses give birth to horses mice give birth to mice rats give birth to rats I'm not there's one there's only one I'm not sure about it's the God's one I'm not sure about God's might give birth to like worms. But God's might give birth to like half-hearted, demented, you know, darkened pieces of crap. Yeah. But you are literally the like Jesus said, you are the light of the world. You are the light. I think it's the same kind of light where he says, you know, in the book of Revelation, they won't need a sun anymore for the light of the, of the Lamb will be their light. Amen. The light, dude, the, 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 you are the light of the world. Multiple times it's said in Scripture. You are my God is light. In Him there is no darkness at all. For you're, you're His kid and as He is, and, and let me just say, this is not a message for just when you're feeling good about yourself or when you. This, this is true of everyone. It's a once for all reality. When Jesus died, the old humanity died as a whole. When Jesus rose, every single one of us was raised with him. Amen? Amen. Every single one of us was raised. And, uh, uh, so I just want to close tonight with a little communion. Yeah, Raymond, dude. I think Raymond was gonna. You wanna, you wanna serve us some communion, bro? Do you wanna do a little thing about it? And as Raymond comes and shares, 
just remember, as you partake of this table, it's, you're partaking in remembrance that even if you feel like you're at your worst this weekend, the whole of heaven is open to you. All of heaven is given to you. The blood of Jesus flows through your veins and the broken body of Jesus on, the, on your worst day, still releasing the full presence and glory of God. I'm just going to sit and drink with you guys too. I'll let you guys do whatever you're going to do.